Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Impact Theory. Today, we are going to be talking all about how to power through any obstacle and crush any goal. And that is absolutely what you're going to have to do. You've gotta be able to smash through, go over, go under, go around, whatever it takes, any obstacle to get things done. And the people that are able to solve the most problems are always the ones that win. So now the question is, how do you do it? And that's exactly what we're gonna be talking about today. Here we go. First question. When you have one major obstacle that you are overcoming, in my case, a health issue, how do you focus your mind on the smaller life obstacles you must overcome at the same time, even though they are infinitely less important to you? The great news is you have already answered your own question, which is you need to put them in priority order and you need to attack them with the ferocity that their like value to you is. So if something is really high value, really important, the most important thing you could be dealing with, then you're gonna do everything you can do to move that ball forward. Now, inevitably, no matter what it is, there will be times where you will get to the point where you need a break or there's nothing more that you can do, whatever. And so you're gonna do everything that you can do to push that ball forward. And then once you need to move on for whatever reason, then, or you're waiting for something, then you go and focus on the smaller things. But don't be afraid to say, this is my number one priority. And so other things are going to get less attention. So one thing I always tell people at Impact Theory is doing less is always an option. What's not an option is hating your life. Okay, so we're not gonna do things that allow us to hate our life. So if I know, hey, I've got a health issue, I have to go really ham, but I also have all this knick-knacky bullshit that I have to deal with, I'm gonna take care of my health first and foremost. I'm gonna cut out things that don't have you know, anything to do with that because they are less important to me. And we went through this with Lisa and that meant that she was doing less at work. Um, you know, If you have to take paid time off or whatever, do it. If you have to take unpaid time off, do it. If you have to scale your lifestyle back to make sure that you can take unpaid time off, do it. There are a thousand ways, but when something is truly the most important thing, then you need to address it as such. Now, what I find is everybody tries to have these dueling competing number ones. They think that they're supposed to be doing all of these things at the same time. I'm just here to tell you that's not how it works. So you have to put things in rank order. There is no such thing as a dual number one priority. Okay, there is number one, there is number two, three, four, five, six, so on and so forth, okay? So line them up, 
do them in that order. And you have to be relentless about it. And you have to accept that not everything is going to get done as well as you want to get it done. But it should get done in priority order. I find people have a really hard time with that. That one to me is a bit weird. If your priorities are listed in order of the things that are important to you, why would you do them in any other way? Unless you're lying to yourself about what's actually important to you. So if what's really important to you is what your parents think about you, well, then you might start making stupid decisions because you're not being honest that what you really want is to please your parents. Now, once you start being honest about what your priorities are, like for instance, let's say you have a health issue and you have kids and the reality is that your kids are your number one priority and your health is number two. Now, what do you do? You've got a choice. You either have to deprioritize your children which is going to be hard for some people or your spouse or your job or whatever, but be honest. And if you're not prepared to deprioritize your kids, then you have to own that and accept the consequences. Namely, depending on what your health issue is, you may die younger than you otherwise would because you're not addressing it. This is where we got to be honest. We have to say what's really going on. We've got to say what our priorities really are. And when we stop bullshitting ourselves about what our priorities are, then we can execute in priority order. And then everything in life gets clear and simple. It doesn't get easy, but it gets clear and it gets simple. Do it to it, as my mom would say. Next. How do you develop a strong enough why in order to keep going if you feel like giving up? Okay, there's a process for this. It is very straightforward. There is a weird trick of evolution where your brain will justify whatever amplitude of emotion you display. This is why if um, it's kind of like where a child will fall, bang their knee, and they look to their parents like, am I okay? And if you react big, then the kid starts crying. But if you're nonchalant and they're like, all right, cool, stand up, then the kid is nonchalant. Your brain has a similar mechanism where it's like, yo, this thing just happened. How do we feel about it? And if you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Then your brain goes, shit, I guess this is a big deal. So first of all, it's very important to recognize that when you're trying to build this connection to a why, you want to start with something that's real, something that already is exciting to you for whatever reason, it just is exciting. Now, when you start with something that you have a legitimate, exciting connection to, now, through that method that I just explained, you can dial that up. So you're going to say it out loud to other people. You're going to say it internally to yourself. And you are always, and I mean always, going to embody the emotion you want to feel. Now, in the beginning, it's going to be very theatrical. And you're going to feel like, this is dumb. Why am I doing this? I don't feel this sort of hype level that I'm bringing to it. But you're going to start to, at like the three-month mark, it starts to be like, oh, wow. Like, that's just how I respond to this. Then at the six-month mark, it's like, yo, I actually have a deep emotional connection. By a year, by 18 months, it's like, it, it will really change you. And so you have to be very careful what you point yourself at, what you decide to make your why, what you fan the flames of, because over time, it really does become a part of you. Now, that's amazing, but it's also... High risk isn't the right idea, but it is, it's dangerous. Like you have to be thoughtful because you can get yourself super hyped up about something that either you don't actually have 
the willingness to pursue. And so you can create this sort of high friction thing in yourself. Um, like, let's say, for instance, this is random because this wasn't what it was like for me, but in, in the early days, I wanted to be a stand-up comic. Now, I could have poured all my time and energy and all of that into being a stand-up comic, but if the act of being up on stage is actually miserable and it isn't fun, now I've just built all this hype into having a why around entertaining people or whatever, and I don't enjoy the process. And so maybe there's something intellectually interesting about it, which was that original spark that made me want to build this enthusiasm around it. But if that doesn't actually play out in the long term, you have to be careful. So I would be thoughtful about a why that is exciting and honorable. So something that not only elevates yourself, but elevates other people. That you can usually pour yourself into with reckless abandon. Okay. How do I overcome a self-destructive anxiety-induced habit even if it started at a very young age. Okay, so we are first and foremost, this is gonna surprise you, but first and foremost, we have to make sure that the anxiety response atrophies. So neurons that fire together, wire together, and this is not the surprising part, I'll get to that in a minute. So neurons that fire together, wire together. So the anxiety loop has become easy for your brain to do, easier than anything else. So you are more likely to have this anxiety response because you've just done it, like you said, since you were a kid. So we have to get those connections to atrophy. And the way that we're going to get those connections to atrophy is actually going to start with our diet. Now, I have found in my own experience that because of the gut-brain connection, the number one driver of the anxiety impulse is caused by dysbiosis. So you're eating and or drinking things that are causing the sense of unease, which your brain, going back to the previous answer, your brain is going to justify the way that it feels. So you feel anxious and you're like, what am I anxious about? Then your brain is going to tell you a story. Oh, you're anxious about X, Y, Z. It's actually not true. You feel anxious because of what you ate or drank. And then your brain is simply overlaying a story onto that thing. So now let's exacerbate that a thousandfold and say, no, 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 this thing really is anxiety provoking. Yes, but now it's a question of amplitude. So what we wanna do is bring the amplitude way the hell down. So we're gonna get our diet right. In my own life, 70%, so not 100, but 70% of my anxiety was caused by my diet. And as I removed Diet Monster and Diet Coke, and I miss them both dearly, they are lovely, but they made me feel anxious. And as soon as I cut them out of my diet, my anxiety improved so dramatically that it was startling. Now, of course, like anything, it takes you know a couple weeks to really work its way out of your system. Now, that doesn't mean that I went from not ha or having anxiety to not having anxiety, but I went from these huge amplitudes of anxiety to them dialing down 70%. It was incredible. It was the biggest win in my journey of anxiety. So removing that was hugely important. Getting sleep, also hugely important. Exercise, hugely important. And then meditation, hugely important. If you are doing those four things and then do one fifth item, which we'll call pattern interrupt, so that every time you begin to get on that loop, you interrupt yourself. You don't allow yourself to think about that thing that triggers your anxiety. So we get the diet right, get the exercise, get the sleep, get the meditation. So we're getting better at turning down the volume on the anxiety amplitude. 
And then over time, as you pattern interrupt and stop yourself from even thinking that and rehearsing the failure and the worry and all of that, now you're gonna find that those bonds of anxiety in your brain, the literal connections are going to atrophy. And your brain doesn't, at first it doesn't leap to the same amplitude, then it doesn't leap to the same amplitude as often, and then it just doesn't leap as often. And that's how you begin to undo the anxiety. And then, of course, there's always therapy. So don't be afraid to see somebody to help you through this process. If nothing else is working, undoing anxiety is extraordinarily difficult. I unfortunately know this firsthand. All right. How do you come to accept you have to withstand something like a bad job that takes up your whole day while knowing that your time is valuable and limited? Okay, now let's play a game. And let's call this game, What Would Tom Do? Now I want you to ask, do you think that Tom is going to stay in a bad job for long? No. That's the, I'll skip to the last page. And Tom has a bad job, uh, skip to the last page, Tom leaves the job. Now, Tom is gonna be very thoughtful because I completely understand that this is largely about, yo, I have to pay bills. Hey Tom, nice for you, you don't have kids, and you've already been successful. So that's not really helpful for me. Now I will say that joy and fulfillment are the punchline of life, not money, not success, not adoration. So you are losing, losing, losing if you're staying in a job that makes you unhappy. I promise if you have kids and that's the thing that's really making this difficult, you are bringing that unhappiness home. And so we have a moral obligation to break that to make sure that we are pursuing things that are joyful so that we can show our kids, hey, this is how it's done. Now, you're not stuck at a job. There is something that's making you feel stuck at the job. I'm going to assume for now that it's money, keeping a roof over your loved one's heads. That, that to me seems like the scariest. So, okay, assuming that it's that, remember, there are always two levers. Lever number one, make more money. Lever number two, need less money, okay? You can pull on either lever you want, now, if you say, up, oh, Tom, I can't need less money. It's just, we're all, we've already cut it all to the quick. You know, my kids just need a certain amount. It just is what it is. Okay, amazing. So now we're gonna make more money. Awesome. How do we go about doing that? First of all, let's identify what we hate about our job because there might be, are there other roles within that company? If it's just the job, but not the company, is there somewhere that we could move? In which case we go ask, hey, I want this job, which pays more money. What would I need to do? What skill set would I need to have? What expertise would I need to demonstrate in order to get there? And then go do that thing. If it's the company and we just, the company's toxic, we can't be there anymore. Then I will ask, how many resumes have you sent out in the last 48 hours? If the answer isn't 250, then we've got some work to do. Now, let's assume that the answer is 250. Then we have to figure out, why aren't we getting a response? Do we not have a skill set that's marketable? Is our resume terrible? Are we not going out to the right places? Have we not framed ourselves well? Could be any one of those things, but we have to be honest and real and figure out what we need to do to get out of this situation. But we certainly don't just accept defeat and go, wow, this sucks, this is my whole life. Nights and weekends is also going to come to our help, our aid here. So nights and weekends, if you know, whoa, I just don't have the skill set that I need to go find another job, then we're going to start building that skill set. Maybe the skill set is interviewing, getting good at interviewing, and then we're going to get good at that. 
but we are going to find a way out of our situation and we are going to find a way out of our situation quickly. So do not accept defeat. Hold yourself accountable to the truth, to what you need to do to get out of that situation and then get out. Because as you said, our time is truly limited. My biggest value is my family. So outside of my day job, they are my number one focus. Because of this, I really struggle to make time to acquire and develop the new skills I need, even though they have the potential to greatly improve my family's quality of life in the long run. How do I prioritize myself over those who are most important to me in order to make a better life for all of us? Okay, I can feel you have competing values. So first of all, you need to figure out what your highest value truly is. Is it improving the life of those you love or is it being with the ones you love and so those can be very different things and lisa and i talk about this all the time and i talk about how hard i fight for this family to do amazing things for this family and lisa's like hey you need to be thoughtful about that because some percentage of that you're doing for yourself and some percentage of that is really something valued by her right and so I really have to ask, like, where does this become? It's about me and my ambition. Where does this actually become about her and the family? And so you need to have those conversations. In what way does your family want to be served, right? Because if you're saying, I'm doing this all for my family and you're serving them in a way where they're like, you know, honestly, dad, husband or mom, whatever, that wife, that maybe they would just rather have time with you. And so all this crazy stuff that you're doing, they're like, hey, when I think about you being into it and that being your ambition and you wanting to work that hard, then it's like rad, I wanna support you. But when I think that you're doing that somehow for me, like, dude, I'd rather live in a hovel and get time with you than whatever it is that you quote unquote think is going to make our life better. So you have to be very thoughtful about what's really going on. Like for me, I'm fucking ambitious. And so yes, there is some of like wanting to make my entire family's life better. But a lot of it is really just, that's who I wanna be. And so as I told Lisa, look, you are my number one priority, but there's one thing you cannot ask me to give up and that is my ambition. But whenever like I'm really starting to damage the marriage, I'm taking too much time, I'm too focused, I'm too hardcore, whatever, let me know and I will react accordingly. But it's not a mistake that Lisa and I have built companies together for the last whatever 12 years. Okay, that's very much on purpose so that as a couple, we're coming together even as we're expressing our individual ambitions. But we're super clear about what's at play, where, how much is you know personal ambition, how much is really like that well-received contribution to the family. Because if they're not receiving the gift you were trying to give, then are you really giving a gift? So you've gotta be super thoughtful. Talk through this stuff. Be very open and honest and candid and vulnerable. Find out what they really want and then find that balance that works, right? That some of it may just be, yo, I'm doing this because I wanna help the family and the family's told me that they you know, want this gift. And then some of it is just my ambition. And so I might work a little bit harder at work than my family would want me to, but I don't go crazy and where I'm not spending, you know, maybe instead of spending three hours with the family every night, I'm spending two hours with the family every night putting a little bit more work in, you know, at my job. And maybe it's like, I give them all day Saturday, but I only give them half of the day Sunday. And they're like, oh man, this is amazing. You're so focused. And the time that we get is so incredible and so high quality. This is amazing. I couldn't ask for anything more. 
But the only way you're gonna find that dance is to discuss it and to be completely honest about what you want in your life. That's the way. That is the way. All right. Obstacles can come in many forms in your life. It could be failure. It could be a difficulty at work. It could be that you want something that you feel like you're not supposed to want. It could be conflicting desires. It could be waning passion. Each thing that comes into your life, take them one by one, assess them honestly, figure out what you really want in life, and then adjust accordingly. And if you've got enough perseverance, enough passion, a deep enough connection to your why, you really can do extraordinary things with your life. But you can't give up. You can't give in. You've got to stay focused. You've got to be driven. And if you do all of those things, you can get to the other side of anything. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining me. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Peace.